Join us for the Black Men Building Wealth Virtual Conference, February 29, 2020, from 10 a.m. to 6 p.m., featuring Charles Oglesby, Andre Hatchett, Jillian Gordon, Brian Robinson, Brandon Thomas, Oge Madu, Gene Holloman, Lamont Woods, Jay Morrison, Torrance Reed, Byron Sellers, Henry Washington, Brian Thomas, Xavier Miller, Chris Senegal, Jeremy Johnson, and more. Topics covered will include marriage, personal finance, debt paydown strategies, tech and investing, mobile home real estate investing, tax strategies, and more. All proceeds will be donated to the Bless a Black Man Foundation. It's the Black Man Building Wealth Virtual Conference. It's lit. You're listening to Tweet Talk, a Black Wealth podcast. Build wealth, invest, own, and close the wealth gap. Now it's time to break down these financial concepts with your host, Mr. Time Millionaire himself, Charles Oglesby, and Raphael Husband. Tweet, Tweet Talk. Episode 35. It's lit. Tonight, episode Kobe, because every episode is Kobe now. Um, (laughs) Mamba mentality. Right. So tonight we have a special guest with us tonight, Jeremy Johnson. On Twitter, is what, Jay Johnson? Jay Johnson says, absolutely. Tell the audience a little bit about yourself, Jeremy. Okay, so um, real estate investor. Uh, Prior to that, I was active duty military until I read I met my real estate investing mentor while I was serving. And then, you know, at a certain point, you get to a point where you're literally losing money by showing up to your day job, right? So, you know, opportunity cost showing up to the day job, then what other real estate deals am I not being able to structure as a result of showing up in boots? So at a point I had to make, I had to make a decision, which was mostly going to allow me to own it, pursue the path that hmm. was going to. Amen. That's cool. What do you got for him, Raphael? We already know who I am. Yeah, yeah. So you said, talking about ownership, I was going to start somewhere else, but you said on Twitter, when discussing the need to own a business, people say everyone can't own a business, but when employment, no one ever says everyone can't be employees. It's like people feel <laughs> being an employee is for everyone, but being the owner isn't. Absolutely. So, talk about that one. It's, it's mindset. It's mindset. It's the, the, the belief that we're all qualified to work on, but we're not qualified to actually own where we work. And it, what people don't understand is that if you can do it as the employee, you can do it as the owner. Even if you use your same exact skill set and open a consulting agency where you're consulting the same person who's signing the front of your check, right? At every opportunity, we can own where we work using the same skill set. Yep. 100%. I talk about that all the time. Like you right. can use the same, same skills on your job to take it to the open market. And the crazy part about it is you can ultimately make as much money in one week as you can make working the entire year for somebody else, especially with how vast the internet is. Think about Absolutely. it. There's of people that want to pay you. If you just get 1% of that billion, not even 99, not 25, not anything major, 1% of a billion I don't know that number, but I'm pretty sure it's a lot of people hmm. and that will change. But you're over here. And then it also puts you in power because then it's like, if two of that you happen to get don't like you, but the other percent do afford to fire people. But on hmm. the other end, when you only have one boss, you can't afford it. You got to tolerate the boss you might not like. You got to tolerate the clients who you might not like. You got to tolerate your 
coworkers who you might not like. Like that to me is one of the most part, one of the most demeaning parts of working a job is not just the money. Like yeah, the money, but they stunt you emotionally and mentally. Mm-hmm. And like, I feel like that's why we have to kind of like force our way out and force our way into doing our own thing. Like money is just an added perk. There's so yeah, many yeah. other, like you said, yeah. So yeah. it's funny you say that. I think uh, today, so it was either Xavier Miller or Brian, the infamous CPA, was talking about how at your job you can't use your full genius because mm-hmm. there's that one position that they they want you in that they want you to do all day long, and you can't mm-hmm. use your full genius at work, man. Hundred percent, man. Can I talk on that? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I just had when I was at in, in Houston doing the lunch and learn. Uh, one of the attendees, she was a, um, a, a doctor, nurse practitioner, right? Doctor level. That There's nothing else past that level. And even at that level, she said, I wish someone would have told me two degrees ago that this isn't the, the most beneficial path. But she said, I'm at the highest level possible in my profession, right? And they what level of care I'm able to give. So I'm still being forced to give subpar care, even though you know, I have all the qualifications to offer more to my clients. When someone else is signing the front of your check, they get to dictate what you can do. So, you know, if your your whole goal in going to school and pursuing that path was to help people and they say, nah, it's about dollars and cents here. You're only able to give X amount of minutes to each uh, each person that comes in your, in your in your doctor's office. Right. Again, you have no control and you've done every you've checked box that they told you was going to lead to the path of being able to you know, exercise uh, freedom and, and offer the best level of care, given your the passion that you have for what you do still, not even at that level. One of the things I always talk about in regards to like being a boss and doing business, w- business with other bosses is one thing that really frustrates me is when people who are a boss and you do business with them, they want to employ you. So they want to say, you can't do that. You can't do that. We have to agree on blah, blah, blah. And like, I was talking to my mom and I told her, I was like, one of the dopest things about being the boss is in like an elementary level. It's like, if I decide I want to put this particular snack in the machine, I put it in the machine. I don't have to ask somebody and say, hey, what do you think about this? I think we should do this. Don't you think this is a good idea? You got to convince somebody. No, if I want to pull this snack out of the machine because it's underperforming and put something else in there, that's what I do. If I want to mm-hmm. put this kind of flooring in a house. That's what I do. If I want to, if I want to promote this product, that's what I do. And you know who is your boss at that point in time? The market. The market becomes your boss. And the crazy part about it is you don't need 100% of the market. In fact, half of them can hate your guts. You can still become the goat. Like mm-hmm. that's why entrepreneurship is so powerful because it puts you in control, puts you in power. And that's what, what we don't understand. We don't, because we were brought over here to be controlled, we don't even seek control. We don't even see that that is even an option on the table to actually be in control. We think, you know, go to school, get a good job. Like, but but actually being being the owners on the table too, it's actually right there. Oh no, you don't want to do that. That's scary. <laughs> go and get the job. Man, that's so crazy. Cause people always talk about like the risk of being an entrepreneur. And I was thinking about how like, it's actually not very risky. Like. When I know when I was a young kid, I asked my mom, I was like, what is an entrepreneur? An entrepreneur is somebody who takes risk. Because back in the day, you literally had to quit your job to be an entrepreneur. You had to say, like, you know what? No more job. I'm going to go 100% start this business. Now you can get a, run, a running head start. You can start You're building right. that portfolio. You can start building that. So, like, when Jeremy, when he left his job, you already had assets. You didn't go to zero. You just went a little bit less than you already were. 
And so exactly. then it's like, if you can sustain yourself off of eating whatever diet you had while you sacrifice for that six months, then you'd be 100% free because you had a running head start going into your big goals. Exactly. Exactly. It's uh, like, so while I was in the military, uh, my job was military intelligence. So I'm sitting at this desk for 12 hours a day. I am cat, I'm you know stuck to this cubicle for 12 hours a day. Two different types of internets uh, when you're doing that particular job. You got high side, which is top secret, secret scroll internet. Then you got low side. That's regular Google, YouTube, Facebook, that type of thing. So at all times, I had one computer screen <laughs> <laughs> focused on my actual job. But I had a lot of downtime to actually, and my soldiers would know. Johnson, is all he always has the map. have a city map up, looking up addresses, looking up properties. And that's just, it was understood. If you come past my desk, uh, if I wasn't watching YouTube videos on real estate, then I, I was actually, you know, I was focused on it to the point where, and I'm not even making this up. I would have to tell them on uh, certain days, I'm like, hey, to need an extended lunch break, I got to go to the attorney's office to, to close on the property. Real deal. So I had to ask you to expand on my favorite tweet for the followers, for the, for the people who might not have keyed in on this one. And that one is this. It says, when I left my day job, I knew my income would immediately drop. And it did. So why'd I leave? Because I also knew my income would exceed my day job if I had more time to invest and it did. Bang, yeah. bang, bang. So, so essentially kind of going back to where we started in, in terms of your opportunity costs, right? Um, so when I first, first got started, I only had, I only had my rental income, but I was still doing, you know, I would wholesale here and there. Um, so like, if you look on paper, then I took a hit, you know, in terms of that consistent, predictable income. So my first and the 15th check wasn't coming in. I had to go out and you recapture that time, the time that I was spending, you know, 12 hours sitting at a desk. But once I was able to hone in and what, what, what I call my revenue routine, which is, mm -hmm. hey, during this block of time during the day, I perform these set of activities, right? And then that uh, creates more income. So once I started using the, the time that I was going to, to the day job where I was only going to get two checks a month and it was going to be the same, how hard they work, you know, the military, they don't offer a thing called overtime. You know, you get an overwork, but they do not offer you overtime, right? And so once I started using that time, and that's the thing, people don't understand how to monetize their own time. They don't know. And as proof, what are you doing on the time that you're home? If you're not making money on the time that you are that you already have, you don't need more time if you're not maximizing the time that you already have. But at, right. at a certain point, if I'm maximizing the time that I have off work and I'm still not making the money that I need to make, then at some point you've got to make the decision. I need this time that, that, you know what I mean? My working hours need to become working for myself hours. That's a bar. So how long, well, what do those revenue activities look like and how long did it take you from the time that you quit your job to kind of ramp it up? Um, you know, it's interesting because like you said, I didn't go back to zero when I, when I, when I quit my job. And in fact, um, most soldiers will tell you, Hey, you need to go ahead and file your disability because you, you will, start, if you, if you are disabled then you will start to get a compensation for that. It took me like to see you can file uh, that only because to be honest with you, I was making so much money in real estate that, you know, they were like, man, you leave leaving money on the table by not following your disability. I was like, man, I, I'll get to it. I'll, I'll, I'll get to it. So it took me like five months. So um, as far as at, I, I never skipped bill at, at any point, you know, um, I, I didn't. So I, I didn't, you know, did my money take a hit in terms of the predictable income? Yes. But did it take a, a hit in, in terms of me being able to pay my bills or anything? Not at all. So what did you do first? Did you buy a rental property? What did you start doing first? 
Oh, rental property. So that's the thing. So wholesaling, is, I'm not opposed to wholesaling. Um, I'm not opposed to the activity of wholesaling. I'm, I'm opposed to the uh, belief of using wholesaling as just like the end goal, right? Um, because wholesaling, you're, you're a waiter. You're a waiter, right? If you Let's be honest, right? So you go to the table that brings the, you know, the meal to the table, but they're <laughs> right. not actually eating. Yeah. You, go from the kitchen, you go from the kitchen to the, to the patron. And you with tips. That's the, in comparison to what that actual wow. asset is worth, wow. you leave with the tips and you think that you want to do, right? You, you, you leave with the tips. And then how dare you be a wholesaler, have wholesaled hundreds of property in your life, and you don't have a portfolio to leave behind for your own children. How do you have that conversation with them? Yeah. So well, you, were, you were wholesaling. I, no, I started off buying and holding. And just like any savvy investor, you're, you're eventually going to run out of your own money. Something that I learned is that many banks don't like hood properties, which is where I prefer to invest. So my first property, they refinanced. It wasn't exactly in the hood. It was blue collar. Uh, you know, the second property was to, to date still my best uh, deal where I bought it for 5,000, renovated for 13. So I'm all in for 18,000, making 600 a month. That's a 40% cash on cash return, right? Two and a half years, every 30 months that property pays for itself, right? So, uh, but that one was in the hood. That's why I say your highest returns are always in your hood. In the hood, mm -hmm. the bank was like, nah, we're, gonna, we're not gonna do that refinance. So now my back is against the wall. What do I do? Do I wait another two or three years trying to save up the money? Or do I try this whole wholesaling thing? And it just so happened the first deal that I wholesaled, I made like $6,000 in four hours, literally from the time that I signed the first contract with the property owner, signing uh, with the buyer it was like four hours. It was like a $6,000 spread. So then I had to get back in the saddle. Uh, before I got out the military, I told myself, hey, I need two more properties. And um, so that's what I did. I, I bought two more properties and you know kept going from there. Do you ever going back to a job? <laughs> That's an interesting question. Uh, the, the short answer is no. The long answer is I don't, unless I'm physically incapacitated because of my skill set and, and my way, my uh, ability to structure different type of deals. There's no one set way to, to structure a deal. And that's what people don't understand about real estate. Um, so to answer your question, in no event, unless I'm physically incapacitated, I don't care what market I'm in. Do I ever see myself not being able to structure a deal? Like there, there's just so many ways to, to, to skin the cat. Uh, I don't think I would ever need a day job. I just, you know, life could throw us all a curveball, but I, I don't think I would be effective at a day job. I don't think that you could take someone with this mentality and, and with this skill set, and then, you know, you know, you kind of tell me what to do for, for $18 an hour. That's not going to work. This podcast is brought to you in part by investetheteam.com. We have created the official merch of generational wealth. You have to shift your mindset from employee to you can fire me the boss. Always remember, no sacrifice, no reward. Hood Estates, exclusive collection available at investetheteam.com. Now back to the world's greatest podcast. Man, I got another tweet. Yeah. Raphael, I'm sorry for stealing your thunder, but I was talking about this on Twitter a few days ago. And it's this. Before civil rights, when black business ownership was highest, redlining determined where you could live and own businesses. Mm -hmm. After civil rights, when equality became, quote, equality, <laughs> became being employed by and advancing in white businesses, redlining became unnecessary. Why? By abandoning owning businesses to be employed by theirs, we positioned others to control our income and what we can afford. Why redline if others already 
control what you can afford from the house you live in to the phone you're using to read this post. Can you expand on that one for us? Absolutely. So the civil rights movement, uh, we redefine what it meant to be equal, right? Before equal mean you own a bus, I own a bus. Now it became, I get to sit in the front of your bus. That's not equal. That's not equal. So, so you can't advance through askership. You've got to advance through ownership, right? Askership. If I keep, if I keep asking you, please treat me right. <laughs> <laughs> please, please see me as a human being. Please, like, you, you can't, no race has ever, no body of people, no demographic has ever advanced their cause by begging the right way. You, 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 you see what I'm saying? So so you've got to own, right? If if if, if I own and you own, I don't care what, what what's going on in your bus because I got my own. And and that's what, what to the point where uh, we celebrate advancing in a white owned establishments. We we celebrate being uh, accepted by white owned entities. Um, but here's the thing. If they are the standard, then by definition, black owned businesses become substandard mm-hmm. by definition. Room at the top for two, right? So you, you've already positioned seeing yourself as the owner. As uh, give you a common example. We celebrate getting Oscars, right? Oh, you're a black. It's an Oscar. That's, that's a no word. We even if we don't get invited to the Oscars. Me and has never celebrated getting a BET award. He doesn't see us as the, as, and I'm not pointing him out in particular, but I'm just saying white people in general do not see black people as the standard in anything, in anything. They don't celebrate being accepted into black culture. But the thing about it is I think the reason why is because we put them on a pedestal. If we were like, we don't need your pedestal and instead promoting our own, I think things would change. But since we've kind of put them ahead of us, we're always going to be behind, which is what you were saying. If mm-hmm. they're the standard, we're always substandard. And mm-hmm. so like by default, you always lose. You yep. lose by default. And the crazy part about it is when I read this, um, I think of Orange County and I think of what I like to call, it's kind of like, um, I don't know how to really call it, but basically what they do is they don't necessarily hate on you or they don't disenfranchise. They disenfranchise you by your income and your wealth. And they get the opportunity to control your income and your wealth because your boss dictates how much money you make. You don't dictate how much you make. The market doesn't dictate how much money you make. They dictate it. And they also dictate how much your property is worth because you tell them to, you let them give you appraisals and tell you what your property is worth. And so then they dictate everything they decide how much what kind of loans you can qualify for what kind of car you can drive what kind of food you can eat what kind of clothes you can wear all that stuff they dictate and what happens is they can shut you out of certain neighborhoods oh this is too expensive for you it's not because you're black it's because the house costs a million dollars oh yeah i'm only going to pay you forty thousand so you just happen to not be able to live next to us like you see it in Orange County where stuff is like 1.2 for a four bedroom house. I'm like, how is this that much money? Or in Northern California where stuff is 2 million for nothing, but they're not paying Roscoe that much money and they're never going to pay him that much money. And that's the problem with allowing somebody to dictate how much you make through ownership, through being an employee and through not bossing up and choosing yourself. I feel like Jeremy, do you feel like, I don't know why it is, but I think like the military breeds accountability and it breeds like no excuses take responsibility because i hear a lot of what your mentality is a lot like xavier's and he was in the military also um and then i come from a military family so like like your principles align with my principles and i'm really trying to figure out why they align with my principles do you think the military kind of had a, a part in that or anything else had a part in that where did you get this mentality from um let's see that's that's an interesting question because i i i Secure my first business loan. I'm at business loan, but business license when I was 20. So that's before I joined the military. 
I think what I did learn in the military um, was discipline in terms of actually, because if you can wake up at, you know, before the Lord to show up to PT every morning, right? <laughs> then, then, then you know that you can't lie to yourself and say, "Oh, well, this is too early to show up," or this is because again, you you wake up as early as they need you to wake up, and you will go to sleep if and when they tell you to go to sleep. So, if you that for something that you're never going to own, it's not even on the table. To own is not on the table when it comes to the military. Then, how can you uh, justify making the excuse not doing it for yourself? So, I think that that for sure you know if you can wake up to, to be told what to do at 4 30 in the morning then you can wake up and tell yourself what to do yeah rafael what do you have for him, man yeah so jeremy you said we perform based on the level of challenge regular school work and later working a day job i did just enough studies tests and later owning businesses i excel you're meant to operate at the owner's level get here yeah yeah you know um and it just depends on on, on how important you view school but and the, the way that i view school um was you know someone tells you what to read and they take take a test to prove that you read it uh, and then you go into the next chapter to the point where i'm at in regular school and um and, and anyone who's ever went to school with me could tell in fact i have a yearbook now that uh my senior yearbook in high school teacher signed a book and she said, my hat goes off to you for being able to sleep and maintain good grades. So I can maintain good <laughs> grades at will. At, like I would literally go to sleep. It's, there's one or two options are going to happen if I'm in your classroom. I'm either talking or I'm sleeping. So, you know, t a lot of teachers didn't like the, uh, you know, being disruptive and that type of thing. Uh, so I would just go to sleep, you know. Um, but when it comes to something that you actually care about, where it, it, it's not a, you know, perfunctory, you know, read this book and then, you know, come on, we live in an age where you can spark notes or cliff notes and, you know, you don't even have to read and you can uh, fly by in school. I mean, same thing with online classes. Everyone, well, I would hope that, you know, online classes, you can get the electronic textbook, control F to find all the answers on the test. You're, you're literally having access to the, to the textbook and the test at the same time. Like, how can you not do well at that? It takes no effort to really excel in school, but it definitely takes effort to um, pursue what you're doing on, on the ownership level and to continue to do it and to you not only just make revenue, but you make revenue uh, that provides for the lifestyle that you're looking for. Man, and it, it provides for your employees and their families. Like that's the, the true goal. It's like, yeah, I'm making money from, but can I make enough money to start hiring people now? Like that's the goal. And um, yeah, how many people can you put on? Yeah. Harriet Tubman wouldn't have been a, a famous person had she just escaped for herself. Plenty of people escape for themselves. How many people can and brought ours with them? Bars, bars. Dang, that's a bar. Um, <laughs> all right, I have another one for him. It says, man, them, my job should pay more. Me, <laughs> I laughed when I read this. It said, them, my job should pay more. Me, how much you make when you're off the clock? Them, eyes, uh, me, side eyes. <laughs> Them side eyes me. I think you should work on paying yourself more first. Can you yeah. talk about that? So th that's that that mentality that that someone else should do for you what you're capable of doing for yourself, right? So you got what what we call our escape hours. The hours from the time that you get home physically from work to the time that you go to sleep. That's your your time to actually generate income for yourself, so that you don't have to kind of like like you were saying earlier and just you know, go to zero balls to the wall to make something work. No, you actually have time where you can overlap, right? I got a regular day job, but then I got something that I'm working on that I'm trying to build. The goal, start there. Start doing your escape hours from the time I, and I've even had a person try to challenge me on that and say, well, I mean, when you get home, you've got to cook and clean. You got to do all those things and you do, but you can do them 
in, 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 in conjunction, right? So like if you have small kids, right? Well, if you're sending out offer, I, you can tell your kids, hey, draw this nice picture for the property owners uh, so that we can send them out with the letters. They're busy drawing, you know, pictures until their soul's content and you're doing work. So can you still spend time with your kids and they see you doing this to build the business? Are there ways to get it done? Yes. But if you're not even uh, making time uh, to make money on your off time, then how dare you tell someone that is paying you? I don't care if they're paying you $1 an hour. That's still $1 in which you're paying yourself during the time that you have for yourself. 100%. I put out a um, a post and I said that if you believe that you're worth more money, go prove it. A lot of people, they say like, oh, I deserve to get paid more. Minimum wage should be more. Well, if that's the truth, go earn more money. But if you can't earn more money, maybe you aren't worth more money. But the crazy part about it is it, it circles back to what we were saying before is where like your off hours, where you're going to make that extra money. What are you doing in your downtime? What are you doing in your productive non-work hours? And what I tell people and what we talked about before is the raise you give yourself is going to be higher than the raise they give you. I never forget. I was working. I always tell the story. I was working at the firm. The firm was paying me a straight out of law school salary. I told him I deserve more money. He said, I'll think about it. I started hustling. I started building my own consulting company, the consulting company we talk about. And I built it up and I ended up increasing my income. I think I increased my income almost double. I probably doubled my salary that year. He comes back to me and he's like, oh, uh, we're going to give you a raise. But I already doubled my salary. And then when I left that firm to come to the new firm I work with, then I take all that, that whole book of business comes with me. So it's trans. And now it's to the point where it's just astronomical. Like it just does crazy numbers. It's going to continue to do crazy numbers. But if I would have expected somebody else to pay myself, I'd have been, I'd have been losing. I tell people like your degree is basically your education at wholesale. It's your responsibility to take that education and market up to retail. And so then you do that by taking it to market by, doing all these different things. Maybe you got to build that consulting company, that coaching company, that whatever company, uh, teach courses that are based on your education and experience. And what's going to happen is say, for example, you paid $20,000 for that degree. You'll be able to at least cap it out because that's how they do when they value businesses. They multiply it times a multiple. And so whatever your net revenue is, let's say you pay 20 grand, then your degree should at least pay you a hundred grand. And if the job's not going to give it to you, get it from the market. And then you circle back, you pay out the student loans, you go back to the business. So I feel like people, they, a job, I always tell people like a degree isn't just to go to work for somebody else. And that's why I posted the Robert Kiyosaki. Something I live by is like one dad said, hey, study hard so you can get a good job. The other dad said, study, study hard so you can go find a good business to buy. And I feel like your degree, if it's at business administration, you can administer their business or you can administer your business. But it's right. the same skill set. It's just the pay is a whole lot different. And it's a different mentality. And that's what people don't understand that uh, that's an employee mindset or, or where, where you're literally asking for someone. I call it's called economic domestication. You can take literally any animal, any animal. And if you feed it regularly, it will stop being it will stop looking for its own food. It will come to you, even though it's, it's way it's, it's possible. It is. That's what the zoo is. The zoo is full of animals that are capable of if you were to set them free, capable of finding their own food, but they yeah. stay there. They don't attack the people who feed them. Right. So it doesn't matter how mistreated they are. The lion is capable of killing the, the zoo owner. But, you know, even though he beats me and mistreats me, you know, he feeds me. So uh, I guess I'm going to just sit, sit here and stay. And you're capable of doing something oh, about it. Man. That's what happened to us when you accept a handout at a job. 
where you are capable of doing more and having more, but you don't want to bite the hand that feeds you, even though that hand should be your own. Right. Well, I never heard that that concept, but that's dope. And I see Raphael's wheels turning. I gotta, I gotta stop being domesticated. I gotta. T- <laughs> <laughs> you know? Is it? Do you have one tweet? This is like probably the last one. It's like you're gonna beat this over the head. But you said, Charles, most work because they are underpaid. If they are overpaid or paid fairly, they would be itching to do more work. This is why you must go into business for business will pay you more than you are worth. I love this shit. <laughs> I just I realized like this week has been a very good week for me. I didn't go to work and I literally dedicated myself to my business 24 hours of the day. Late at night, people sending me DMs, late at night, sending out tweets, late at night, sending out emails. And I was just, the register was just ringing, ringing, ringing. And I realized like, if you're getting paid 200, 300 bucks per hour, you tend to not hate what you're doing. (laughs) You kind of want to do more of it. And I found that like, if you're getting paid and like the vice versa, imagine getting paid 20 bucks per hour, 15 bucks per hour. Like nobody wants to get paid 15 bucks per hour because in actuality, your hour is worth more than that. And that's why you want to get to your own time because you want to get to the time that actually is priceless time that's worth 15, 20, 25, 30, 35, 40. And I just found that like if more people were paid and that's unfortunately capitalism uh, when you're on the wrong side of capitalism is you tend to get paid less than what you're worth. If you didn't get paid less than what you're worth, then there would be no profit. There'd be no actual equity for the owner. Um, and that's why I tell people like, I don't, I don't, I don't hate anybody. That's your business. You should operate your profitably. It's not your responsibility to make me rich. It's my responsibility to make me rich. But a lot of people at a job and they're like, you should pay me more. You should help me pay for healthcare. And it's like, they, That'd be nice if they did, (laughs) but you have the ability to do it for yourself and you should be. And if you're not, shame on you, not shame on them, shame on you. Absolutely. Absolutely. And and some people are going to disagree with that uh, if they have the poverty mindset and looking for for handouts and stuff. But uh, it's no one responsibility to do for you what you can do for yourself. And until you get out of that mindset of of wanting to to earn what other people had to you, you want to ask for what other people had to earn. Like, nah, nah, the business, when, when that business, you know, set itself up, your name wasn't in, in the business plan. It wasn't like, man, we, you listen, if we don't do anything else, we've got to employ him or her <laughs> and make, you, so you're expendable. You were always an expendable part of the business just because, you know, uh, 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 employment is a one-sided relationship where, where, you know, this whole job concept and such where, you're taught to value the business, right? You literally live on the leftovers of your of your life clock when you have a job. You live on the leftovers. Right now, if they tell you that we want you to work a different shift, you're going to rearrange your entire life, and then you live on whatever hours they don't have you coming to that job. If they say, "Hey, we want you to go from morning shift to night shift," you're gonna find that babysitter, whatever you got to do. Hey, I'm not. I'm gonna be able to. I'm not gonna be able to attend your your after school events, whatever. You know, you live on the leftovers of of the hours that they don't want. And then you have some jobs that even have mandatory overtime. Imagine that, where I agree to work one set of hours, and then you you mandate that you're going to take some more hours from me, and I have to show up. You live on the leftovers of your life, and that's that's to live. You, you, you had a tweet about being slaves and employees i can't find the tweet exactly but can you kind of exactly so so we like to think 
Uh, and, and in fact, the way that, that slavery was taught is, is taught based on how we were treated, right? Oh, right. Yeah, yeah. No, yeah, hold so, on. So if, you, if you talk about how you're treated, then you think that you've made progress between then and now. But if we're talking about, mm. hey, okay, so let's just compare the two, right? Apples to apples. So the slave worked where they would never own. The slave was told when to start working, when they can go back home, right? The slave had... Uh, knew that the next generation was going to be in the same position. Now, if you take those that are the economic, um, th that's the category, and, and those are the, the things that the slave was subjected to. You fast forward to now, like, okay, does someone else tell you when you get to, to when you get to go home? Oh, that's an employee. Uh, <laughs> just, are, are you working, spending most of your viable years where, somewhere that you're never going to own? It's not even on the table to own this thing, this place. Uh, yeah, that's and then are your kids going to be groomed to do the same same position? There's no forward progress if I spent all my years working for someone else's ent entity. Then the next generation does the same thing. The only thing that that changed between now and then is that you get to pick your plantation. That's it. Yeah, and and kind of you don't really get to pick it. You still got to put your feelers out there and hope they pick you. You're competing for your spot on the plantation. It's ridiculous. <laughs> oh boy. No, no, but it was even deeper than that. You said. And I, I remember it now. You said when you were a slave, you got free housing, you got free food, you got free clothing. Now you work for payment, but you got to pay for your shelter, housing, you pay for your food, you got to pay for your uh, clothing. They hit you with like the switcheroo. <laughs> they hit you with the switcheroo. You think you've made progress. I'm talking about economically speaking, you, you, there is very little progress. And it even shows in... in, in most black people are still just as economically dependent as our ancestors who came here on unchanged. Man, I, I think I saw a stat. It said something about like in 1850, 97% of black people worked for white people. In 2020, 97% of black people worked for white people. They're like basically in slavery, you worked for white people and now you still work for white people. Nothing's changed. Exactly. But, but if I tell you that, you know, slavery was about mistreatment, which it was, I mean, that was a part of it, but it, Slavery itself is 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 economics, right? It's using human capital for your own personal gain. Whether I pay you or not, I'm still using your capital. The only difference is like 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 we've discussed is that the payment that you you, you think that you're getting is still going to the things that they already provided you. So they hit you with the switcheroo. They they you, know, you get to I'll give you a paycheck knowing that most of it's still going to end up back in my pocket because I control all the housing, right? Mm -hmm. I can, or I control most of the housing. I control your, your food markets. I control everything that you're, you now have to use that paycheck on. I'm the head of that as well. So, and then yeah. it circles back to the, to the redlining because I don't pay you enough to ever be my next door neighbor. I don't have to make any laws on the book. I'm just, because now you prefer to allow me to dictate what your life is worth. Yeah. You know what I mean? You, you, you prefer it now. I mean, if no one could talk you into wanting to be the owner. Mm -hmm. Speaking of economics, if you guys haven't watched the Harriet movie, have you seen the Harriet, Harriet movie? I have not. No, so the crazy part about it is off watching it because the reviews weren't good. Um, everybody was saying, oh, you didn't know there was a black slave catcher and he was chasing down Harriet. And they made it seem like the black slave catcher won and he took Harriet back. Like, no, actually, the black slave catcher got shot. But like, I feel like there's an agenda behind pushing people to not see it because it's probably the best slave movie I've ever seen. It was the only slave movie I've seen where the slaves were the winners they beat them every which way and so in regards to economics one of the things that i found was that was interesting about that movie 
is they would demean the slaves and call them the N-word over and over again, but their wealth was contingent upon how many slaves they own. How can you be worthless and also the substance of somebody's wealth? That doesn't make any sense. That's like saying cash is worthless, but oh yeah, I can do everything I want with this, with uh, with cash. And so I thought that was very interesting. I want people to watch that movie because it was empowering. And it was empowering because I never forget, I put out that tweet talk like, I believe that slaves could have walked off the plantation, but they did it because of their mentality. And the big part of why I said that was because the Harriet Tubman quote, where she said, I could have saved more people if they didn't, if they knew they were slaves. And so I made that quote and they're like, oh, well, they couldn't run because they had horses and they had guns and they had dogs. And I noticed in the movie, Harriet Tubman was strapped. So I was like, you make it seem like we can't get guns too. Like we can't get dogs too. Like we can't get horses too. And I bring it up because the same is true now. People will give you all the reasons why we can't, why it's too hard, why it's too expensive, why it's impossible. Like we can't do what they do. Like we aren't better, more talented, or even just as intelligent, as talented as other people. We can do what they can do. That's a Jeremy Johnson principle, my opinion. And yeah, I just had absolutely. to touch on that. People no, gotta so it's, it's that, that, that mentality of, uh, it, it's first off, when it, when it comes to your freedom, your, your very freedom, like, hey, my, if you're not willing to die for it, then, you know, you already have the slave mentality. That's a, that's, that's a real life thing. Like, if you're not willing to, you know, uh, one of my, my, my favorite person, like, if I could meet any person, any person a, a lot will be Malcolm X, Malcolm X. And, and if you now, if you kind of review a lot of my tweets, they, they stem from uh, the mindset and the methodologies of, of Malcolm X of self-sufficiency, not begging for a seat at the table, just build your own. Like, you, you know what I mean? Um, and and it, this is my honest opinion. This is just my honest opinion. You know, I believe right now that they could approve slavery and you would have a mass black people would show up to the field and pray for a savior you have people who, that that would literally just capitulate and and, and um i just believe that we're capable of more than that i i, I you know I, you know are there statistical data to to show that there's a disparity between uh where we are economically or economically yes but you're never going to catch up by working for them because by the numbers i've got to make at least three to five times uh the revenue that i'm paying you in order to justify employing you. So you're never going to catch up if they're making more money off of your human capital than you're making, than you're taking home to your own family. So you, you've got to start to, at some point, you've got to bet on yourself. Hey, if you can, can create a, a routine that I show up and do every day, and as a result of that routine, money is made, I can do that for myself. I don't need someone to put the chains on me and tell me I'm only worth X amount of dollars an hour. Man, fire. Yeah. Rafael, what do you have for him, man? So, Jeremy, you said me discusses investing and creating generational wealth. Them, everyone can't be wealthy. Me, what does that have to do with you? Your name isn't everyone. Yeah, it's just that that whole excuse thing. You, you know, like if I'm having a direct conversation, you know, that's 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 just like when you ask about or, or you you address a person about something that they did, and they're like, "Well, I'm not perfect." We know that perfection isn't real, but what does that have to do about what we're discussing right here? The same thing when it comes to business ownership um, and, and progressing. When people start diverting the conversation from, hey, why aren't you wealthy? Like you specifically. I'm like, well, everyone can't be wealthy. Your name's not everyone. Like, like, like get back to the topic at hand. Why aren't you doing better? Why aren't you taking the opportunity that you have in front of you and maximizing it? We, we don't care about what everyone can do. That That's not your name. Yeah, that's that's a common rebuttal that you get when you throw out something that's possible. 
it's always, well, well, everybody can't, blah, blah, blah. Everybody can't. It's just, I think it's like deflection. People just don't want That's to That's exactly it. what it is. That's exactly what it is. Todd Consultant presents the Vending Machine Business Webinar. You can only have one job, but you can have as many vending machines as you want. This is your chance to see how we do business and how you can start your very own vending machine business. Avoid the mistakes we made and start winning. You'll be shown how we find, negotiate, buy, and manage our vending machine business, generating thousands per month, and how it has unlimited scale. To find out more details, hit us up on the link in the bio, on Instagram at Partner with Millie, or on Instagram at Todd.Capital, or just head over to gumroad.com forward slash Todd Capital. What do you got, Raphael? So, Charles, you said these days I can do deals without partners. Still finna work with my people, though. <laughs> um, You know, so, you know, what's interesting is I was thinking about that because we're looking at two acquisitions that could do pretty well for us. And I was thinking like, you know, I could get one myself or I can get both and it'd be a no brainer. And so it's kind of like that whole mastermind concept. And uh, what I realized over the weekend is like the, the club and the group economics thing that we have is a mastermind. And I was listening to Rick Ross and he was talking about how like in a mastermind, you can do more, with your group that you could do in your lifetime. And he was also talking about how like you get to share the resources, the intelligence, the connection at work with that mastermind. And the investment club is effectively a mastermind group because we're all working towards that end. And so for me, I was like, you know, I could spend a bunch of money to make this happen and that would be great. Or we could just absorb the two routes, triple our, our, our machine capacity and just keep going to the next goal. And it wouldn't even be a real blip. So I found that like, yeah, I could do things by myself, but if I do it with a team, it's effortless. And I'd rather do effortless business than do heavy effort business. And I still get the same results. So mm -hmm. that's kind of why. That's just yeah. my strategy though, you know? Um, I, and sometimes I feel like I could just kind of like, I feel like I also kind of owe them a duty of loyalty too. It's like, I want to make sure that like, cause people don't afford me the same though. I've, <laughs> I've had people who, who have come in and they're like, oh, cool. I got this, I got this. And then you see them off there doing their own thing. But I just feel like, because for me, I always tell people like, I'm not just over here chasing the bag. I'm also building a community. So it's like, for me, it's more so about everybody winning, everybody eating because it's that's very, how you, that's how you do repeat business. That's how you right. do repeat business. When you ensure that the, that everyone at the table walks away full, you know, uh, that that's exactly how, and like you said, it's, it's a community effect and everyone, every other community understands this principle. Asians understand it. You know, I work with Israelis, Jewish people understand it, right? You know, everyone else understands it. And, and, and people talk about the, you know, the all the vices and the downsides of, of the black community and such. But if you're not doing anything to help fix it, then really, really, why are you even having this discussion? Yeah. It's speaking of the Jews, there's a quote in a book and it was talking about how like Jewish people always have people who want to do business with them because they always make sure they eat. It's not a matter of like, this is mine. This I, I'm, I'm eating over here. You can starve. I, I just, I believe in abundance. And I feel like the mentality that you have to get every crumb out of every deal, even if you have to overcharge the deal, I think it's a scarcity mentality. You think there's only one deal in this whole world and not a whole city full of homes. And, and so and that's, that's, that's how I approach things. Talking about scarcity, that's literally how you, uh, how you bring out the animalistic behavior in human beings. If you, and it doesn't even have to be real scarcity it just has to be perceived scarcity case in mm -hmm. point if anything happens in the middle east that might affect ga gas prices or or when those when katrina hit 
and affects the gas, people will go out and fill up their cars and fill up their gas containers because they think that there's going to be a scarcity. That's how you bring out the animalistic. And so once you have a, a, a demographic of people operating under a scarcity mindset, what happens is there is no coming together because everyone's looking out for themselves. Right. right? So if you, if you want to keep the black community divided, just, you know, introduce perceived scarcity. There's no scarcity of money. They're printing it every day. There's right. no there's no scarcity of money. But I just got to get you to believe that there is a scarcity. And then I just I'll watch you fight each other for 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 when you know limited. So true. So true. Yeah. So you um yeah, it's funny. I definitely know Charles is on that because I mean one day he just texts me out the blue like you ready to flip a house? And I'm like, (laughs) so I was like, hey, flip us because we just do the we do the podcast together, but we don't do that much business outside. So I asked him. I said, wait. I was like, yeah, 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 yeah. I'm like, wait. Do you literally mean flip a house? But what are you talking about? Yeah, it's like, is this metaphor or what yeah, is exactly. I'm like, hey, what are you talking about? All right, this guy, this guy wants me to eat, so that's, he, he wants to make sure I eat. That's that, that's that's what it is. I like it. I looked. I, like I looked it. on the. I looked on the affiliate today, and I was like, I saw that your affiliate sales are were getting up there, and I was like, really happy for that. And that's why I wanted to put it out there. Like, it's it's. I just don't understand the mentality of only looking out for yourself. I've never been that person. And I think that in doing so you, everybody, everybody eats, man. Like if you, if you want to make sure that you eat, it's kind of like in the book, the 10 X rule, he says that being interested in the group is self-serving. Like you don't want to be the only person fat. If you're the big fat person and everybody else is starving, guess who's for lunch? You're for lunch. (laughs) (laughs) But you're right. You're absolutely right. And, 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 and when you, Put the group ahead of your your own selfish goals. What it does is it it, it creates a, a sense of loyalty. And I, I just shared this when I was in Houston at the lunch and learn. I said this is my honest to god belief um, that any of the investors that I've done business with, if I were to hit hard times, if I were to lose my shirt in a deal or something, I believe I literally could call any one of my investors and say, "Hey, I pay hard times. I need a place to stay." And even if I had to go back to sleeping on couches, at least I would have a couch to sleep on because I've done good business with good people. What What do you think about um, <laughs> What do you think about like your tenants? Do you think your tenants have the same uh, perspective in, in terms? I'll tell you something, and I'll let you draw your own conclusion. <clears throat> I make money off of people who prefer to rent. In my leases, my leases, the only justifiable way for you to break the lease without penalty is if you bring me closing documents showing me that you've purchased your own house. I've wow. never had anyone break the, the lease. Interesting. Hmm. Oh, that is interesting. So, Jeremy, you said, true story. When I was in music, I remember asking my mentor, producer, what if someone steals my songs? I'll never forget his reply. He said, the first step is making money. Confused? I'll explain. So explain. So uh, what he what he pretty much said, and what I what I picked up, you know, I picked up what he was putting down, which is this: a lot of times we think of when we are starting a business or starting to invest, and we always think of worst case scenarios and what if this happens and what if that happens. Here's the thing: nothing matters unless you're making money. You've got to get to that point first, then we can worry about all the what ifs and you know what I mean. You've got to get to the point. Focus on increasing your revenue. We're not if we're not having that conversation. Similarly, I had this uh this it was uh three guys that were uh thinking about starting a partnership so they can start investing, right? Good agenda. But then it was like, yeah, man, we we're having that one of the guys called me up and say, Hey, what do you think about this? We're having all these uh arguments about um 
about what to name the group and who, you know <laughs> whose office to hold the group at and stuff like that. And, and so I just stopped him. I said, "Hey, hey, hey! What? What? what wait a minute! Are y'all making money?" He said, "No, not not yet." I said, "We have nothing to argue about." Listen, and until you check that box, the, all of the what ifs and what and what could have happened and what because here's the thing. Um, you're already on the worst end of the deal. Like people talk about, you know, I would invest, but there's a lot of scammers out there. The the biggest of them being your employer. They're scamming you right now. <laughs> you know, <Bars>. I mean? <laughs> until you get out of that position, like all Bars. of this fear and stuff like that, you, you're using that to justify inaction. Bars. Your job is the biggest scammer. So um, I like to post this tweet and I was talking about how it's like hating on people who are doing well for themselves. And they like to kind of pick on uh, like Chris Johnson and they like to say like, oh, uh, you know, you can't spend your gross income because they see he's doing very well online right now. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, he knows he can't spend his gross income, but I'd rather have a <laughs> $100,000 month and only being able to spend 50000 of that 100000 than a $5,000 month or a $4,000 month or a $3,000 month or a $2,000 month. Another is they're talking about taxes. They're like, oh, well, I hope you're paying taxes, all that money you're making. And I'm like, I'd rather have tax problems than money problems. Like, I realize, like, people will hold off getting rich because they don't want tax problems. It's like they, they hear the... The, the puff daddy line, more money, more problems. And they're like, I don't want more money. I don't want more problems. I'm like when you got more money, you also got the money to take care of those problems. Yeah, if you exactly. have tax problems, you hire a CPA. If you have a lot of money, cause you've been that successful in business, you've gone and actually made the money and you might have potential a lawsuit. Well, guess what, brother, you got insurance. Guess what, brother, you have lawyers for that. Like that's why they say that business and investing are a team sport because when you get to a high level, you got to have a team to protect what you build. And so mm-hmm. then you're hiring the best who are going to help you get your tax liability down, who are going to be knowledgeable in the laws. You're not taking your big tax problems to H&R Block. You're not taking your <laughs> big legal problems to prepaid legal. You literally hire the <laughs> best. <laughs> I haven't heard about them in a long time. But it's, it's, it's like people, it's just another way to justify being poor. Mm-hmm. I don't want tax problems. I don't want legal problems. I'm going to just stay small because I don't want those big old problems. Like, bro, like the book Millionaire Mindset says poor people are smaller than their problems. Rich people are bigger than their problems. It's not a matter of whether you're going to have problems. It's a matter of are you bigger than them or are you smaller than them? Exactly. Exactly. It's it's, it's, it's no different from um, people who are on public assistance. And this is not shaming them because my mother was on public assistance at one point, right, when we were younger. And but they they literally and I even have tenants where they won't work above a certain amount of hours because it will take away from their housing voucher. So I'd, I'd rather stay poor just so I can continue to get the handout. And I'm not shaming public assistance. I think that it's a wonderful program if you use it as a launching pad, not as a pad to lay on. Yeah, that's one of the saddest things. I always talk about that, how people will intentionally stay broke so they can get a tax refund. And I always told people, I was like, I don't want a tax refund. I want to get a refund every month. I want that windfall every month. I want that windfall as often as I want it. And when you take that mentality, that's what you get. You get the windfall every month. And mm-hmm. you decide to or buy that purse for your wife. want to do. But you're not over here living this life where 11 months of the year, you're living broke so that you can get $5,000. Like, is that all you're worth is $5,000? I'd rather like that doesn't make any sense to me, but people do it. And that's one of the most important. That's one of like the most frustrating things about me is those programs kind of foster poverty because they punish you if you win. So if Mm -hmm. you win, they're like, ah, 
guess you're homeless now. So somebody was like, why would I want to win? I don't want to be homeless. I'd rather just remain poor. Why would I want to win? I don't want to not have my EBT. I want to remain poor. I don't want to win. I don't want to not have whatever voucher I have coming or all these different programs I have. I'm just going to stay small because being big is too much work. Uh, well, I don't think that people understand the importance or the responsibility, or maybe they just don't, you know, you have a responsibility to move the next generation forward. And it's pretty hard to do, uh, or, you know, looking for the handout and, and thinking that being self-sufficient, going back to being economically domesticated, right? Where um, because this handout is being given to you, you don't want to do anything to, to mess up the handout, not understanding that I have the capability to do far more than th this handout can ever do. Like if the handout was the real win, then the wealthy people would be seeking it, but we're not. The crazy part about that is I was going to ask you about reparations. And I still am going to ask you about reparations. But my question and then what you just said about getting your own handout, it kind of answers itself because I always talk about how like people can look for reparations. But like if we look for reparations, then people like Terry, who created a course and made a million dollars last year, like she actually would be losing money because if she didn't do that, she's not going to get a million dollars a year. She's not going to make 125 grand trading in January in South Africa like she did. Chris isn't going to be doing what he's doing. The Spurgle kid's not going to be doing what he's doing. They're doing great, great things. Erica doing what she's doing. The, the list is countless. Like the list of African-American wealthy people on social media right now that are like new rich, not like inherited rich, not like I went to college, got a good job. I'm a lawyer rich, like is astounding. And I feel like we've seen a run up in the last four years. That's my kind of take. But my question for Jimmy is what's your take on reparations? Cause I'm genuinely curious. I believe that, do I believe reparations is owed? Yes. But without understanding how money works, it would just be transferred right back into the hands of power, right? Because if you think that your uh, status in life is tied to materialistic things that other people are selling you, right? The money that's in your savings account will soon be in their checking account. 100%. So you've got, so do I think, but then I think that we as a people owe it to the next generation more than white people owe it to us. And the only reason I say that is because we can't control when and if they'll ever cut that check, but we can't control the check that we cut our family. So if you're talking about what someone has, you know, uh, what is owed, I believe that the first priority of, of being owed anything is I owe it to the next generation. What am I leaving behind to them? If and when that check comes, great. I'm going to depend on it. 100%. Yo, it's the Options Trading Workshop presented by Tide Capital. Learn the fundamentals and advanced trading strategies that allow us the chance to earn $20,000 inside money in one year while working a job and running multiple businesses. That's right. Learn the what, the where, and the how of options trading in this exclusive webinar. To find out more details, hit us up on the link in the bio, on Instagram at Partner with Millie, or on Instagram at Todd.Capital, or just head over to gumroad.com forward slash Todd Capital. What you got for Raphael? Yeah, so Charles, you said, I always say do what works for me, you do what works for you. <laughs> However, I think it's lame to drag and insult someone for doing something different. Man. We do that a lot in the black community. One of the things that really frustrates me is like people will see something they disagree with and they'll just insult it. And they'll say it's dumb, it's stupid, it doesn't make any sense. And that's one of them that doesn't jive with like conventional wisdom, automatically you're dumb. And so I had a question, I was like, how can people, instead of saying, I don't understand this, they just say it's dumb. Because the, the issue was the whole Greg, I don't use his name. It was a whole, like the concept of an individual saying, use a line of credit to pay for a car. And so 
Twitter was like, that's crazy. Why would you do that? That's dumb. And I'm like, you guys are asking a millionaire why you're, you're basically insulting a millionaire. You're insulting somebody who employs hundreds of people. Do you employ hundreds of people? Are you a millionaire? Maybe it might be wise to ask him why, as opposed to insulting it. Like for me, I've always kind of taken that stance. When I was a young person, I always looked to my, to the elders. I was looking at my aunts and uncles. I was taking their marching ways. I was talking to my mom just like two days ago. And I was telling her, I was like, yeah, you're like responsible for why I'm this way. She was like, well, the difference is you listen. Like when, when elders talk, I listen and I do what they say. But I have family members who didn't necessarily do that. They thought they knew more. They're like, oh, yeah, I don't know what y'all talking about. And so they would not really pay attention to their parents. And my wife is the same way. My wife, she listens to her parents. The reason we're both where we are in life is because we just listen to our parents. We didn't reinvent the wheel. Like, I've taken it a step further, but Mm -hmm. I at least did what they told me to do. (laughs) And so I just feel like when people hear wealthy talk, like if if Jeremy tells me to do something and he's where I want to be, I'm not over here like, debating him down or arguing him down like most people do him probably when they come to him for advice and they want to debate him or argue him i'm like he's where you want to be therefore there's a, there's a difference right you can either be you can be better and a lot of times you can't be both and it, you know people leave with their ego and stuff like that and they want to be right right and they're not trying to be better and so mm. i'm focused on being better if you got the information like you're saying if you're in a position that i want to be in hey let me open up my notebook but i'm not trying to be right i'm trying to be better and it just depends on what what is your end goal that's mentality again i think that's mindset because it's true. always always mindset so crazy so yeah that was kind of the premise there I, I just feel like too often we we see something that's different and we just want to insult it and dismiss it whether it's kanye whether it's whomever people see something and they Automatically, they automatically just say, this is worth nothing. Meanwhile, Kanye has done so many amazing things over the past year, two years, become a billionaire, created this huge following. But because his political views are what his political views are, all of a sudden he's canceled. That's crazy to me. Meanwhile, we'll uplift somebody because they make a great rap song and their political views are the same as yours. Meanwhile, they're over here convincing kids to drink lean, smack women with their penis. Like, I feel like that aspect of the culture freshes me so much because we'll dismiss somebody for disagreeing. And I've been on the other side of that. We all know my views aren't the most widely accepted and I've been canceled multiple times been dragged multiple times. <laughs> Meanwhile, I'm over here putting everybody on. I'm over here helping everybody. I literally live a life of service, but I'm canceled, but future's not. How does that sense? Well, How does that it, 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 it just depends, right? Because you're you're going to be canceled by people who probably weren't following you to begin with. So in which case, was there really a loss? You know, I uh, my brother told me something uh, years ago. He said, no matter what you believe in life, there's a support group for it. If you believe in doing the bare minimum, there are people like, yeah, man, let's do the bare minimum. If you believe in doing the most, you know what I mean? And so you just got to identify what support group I am. And, and then once you identify, hey, this is the group and this is the tribe that I'm with, I'm not really worried about what the other tribe is doing. It's not that I hate the tribe, that I'm shaming the other tribe, but listen, I'm too focused on what in the direction that we're all moving to really be concerned with. So it's kind of like uh, they used to ask Malcolm X, uh, did he wh- hate white people? Which is, I'm focused on building the black community. I don't even have time to discuss what's going on in your community. Um, and so you just got to identify, hey, this is my tribe. This is my focus. This is where we're going. Anyone else is, who's not going in, a, in that direction, you know what I mean? That, that's just, that's them. Let them do them. But, you know, so as far as the council culture, if the people who canceled you were probably not going in your same direction to begin with. So facts. Uh, that's facts, man. 
Man, R.P. Malcolm X. If you guys haven't seen that documentary, check it out. Yes, yes. I read the autobiography. I think I, I read it into it, and I might have read it again. It is amazing. And I watched the movie, of course. That's easy. <laughs> but the book is life-changing. Check out the book. Absolutely. What do you that's got, Rafael? That's the first audiobook. Just a little fun fact. So, so audiobooks used to put me, I don't, I don't know, I couldn't pay attention. I, I, I like to actually highlight and take notes on a physical book. The first audiobook that I successfully got, I was actually driving uh, to and from uh, New Orleans, was the autobiography of Michael Max. And another little fun fact for the viewers. All right, so I don't, my personal home, I don't have any pictures hanging up of family, friends, loved ones, or anything. The only thing that is in a frame in my house is a newspaper clipping from Michael Max. True story. Wow. So, Jeremy, you said, as a general rule, I don't listen to people who don't look like me when investing in the black community. Why? They'll say an area is a war zone, so no one wants it. Pull their phones to buy it and leave you with the crumbs at your own table. Absolutely. Absolutely. Um, yeah, I, I just, I'm not, you know what I mean, to the dentist for, for mechanical advice, right? I, I'm not going to go to white people for, for what to do in a black community. It's not... You know, I am black and I know what we what, what our community needs and I know I have the skill sets to provide it and I'm not going to be talked out of it by a person who's just going to turn around and implement the same things. Uh, the only difference is they have a different objective. They have the objective of changing the demographics of that community and, and kicking the people out. Now, at the same time, I believe in um, low income um, mentality. Uh, so I, I'm not making... I don't make housing available for low-income people. I make educational programs available to get people out of that low-income category. I don't mm. believe that we're servicing the black community by making it easy to stay on the, in, in poverty. I don't think that that is a service. Now, I understand that, you know, the poor will always be among you, but you don't, we don't have to be among them, right? You get to choose. Um, you don't get to choose your starting point, but you definitely get to choose your, your finishing point. Um, so the way that I give back to my community is by putting measures and, and, and things in place. Like I even, when it comes to, this is going to be probably sound wild to anyone who is a landlord, but I've never ever, not once, have I ever checked a credit or criminal history when it comes to a tenant, right? Wow. So I have, I, have, wow. I, I have programs in place where I keep, the way that I keep my tenants vested in it, and, 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 and um, yeah, I, I charge two months of rent for the deposit and then the first month's rent to move in. So when you have that much money, sitting in escrow, so to speak, for your deposit and you want that back, then you're generally going to do the right thing. Um, so I don't really care about your history, but I do care about how you are moving forward. Um, and, you know, so when it comes to white people, when it comes to investing in black means, I don't I do not do that, right? I just, I know what, what, what our people need because I've been our people my whole life. They haven't, right? Uh, and I'm not going to allow someone else to tell me, you know, where, you know, that investing in communities that look like me is not worthwhile because what are you actually saying about me? Bars, man. Oh, do you have a coaching program? I want to hire you, man. <laughs> I, I, so I do have a mentorship program, but it's a little bit different than, than, than the typical program. It's not like a pay to play situation. Everyone who's in my, 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 my mentorship program is someone that I've, so you have to, the first step is, is scheduling a one-on-one -on -one talk with me and some people make it and some people don't. 
right? If and, and I'm not going to sell you on the program either. So I had like a young, hey, I want to, you know, open up a, a dance studio. That was her goal. I said, hey, listen, I can help direct you and, you know, give you the resources and the contacts to help you on that direction. But this program, this, my program is specific. It's not for flip. It's not necessarily for flippers. It's not for people that's looking to, you know, side hustle. My program is for those who are trying to build portfolios to leave behind generational wealth. If you can't leave, if you can't live off of it, leverage it and leave it behind us, it doesn't create generational wealth. Bars. So, Jeremy, I almost forgot. Um, you will be speaking at the Black Man Building Wealth Virtual Conference, correct? Yes, yes, and I'm excited about that. Anytime I, I, I get an opportunity to show our people how it's done. Now, the, the good thing about empowering people through education is that it puts the responsibility from to them, meaning that you now have no excuse because I've we've given you the trade secrets. Right. So now you have to take your own initiative. You got to bring that to the table and, and take action with what you learn. Uh, one of the things that I teach is that uh, there's to get to the next level. It's like climbing stairs. Right. There has to be some vertical uh, movement and there has to be some horizontal movement. Right. Learning creates the vertical movement. It doesn't actually create any type of forward progress. You just have the potential to do more. Right. But then on the horizontal axis is, is action. But if you take action without learning the same thing, you'll be you'll plateau. You'll be on the same playing field, but you're, you're not actually going up. And so mm -hmm. you have to learn and then you have to do, and then you have to learn and that you have to do. And that's how we, we, we climb the stairs. That's how we get to the next level. Bars, man. Yeah, so um, have you locked down uh, specifically what you're gonna be talking about at the conference? Uh, yes. So. Uh, the, the first thing that, that I'm going to discuss is understanding economics from under, money is just a tool. That's, the, that's mm -hmm. the first thing we've got to understand. When people say what they would do if they had the money, that's like me saying, uh, I would, I, you know, I, man, I really would perform surgery if I had a scalpel. That's a lie. Because with or without the tool, if you don't have the skill set to use the tool, then the tool itself is, is ineffective in your hands. The tool itself is not ineffective. Wow. It's just ineffective in your hands. And so we, we've got to understand that concept. Money is not the end all goal. It's having the skill sets to know how to use the money to 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 build whatever it is you're trying to build. But what you know, people saying what they would do with what they don't have, that doesn't get you anywhere. Tell me what you're doing with what you have right now. Bars. Man, I, I tweeted that I tweeted something similar today and I said like the biggest lie people say is that they would do real estate if they had the money. And I feel like People, not only do they have the money already, but if they did have the money, they might just live a bigger lifestyle. So people, <laughs> it's like, do you have the mentality? Do you have the mindset? Do you have the skill set where you are now? Because we've talked to people who, I'll, I'm, I'm actually about to post a podcast where he got started in real estate by going around taking pictures of homes for REOs. And then from there, he became a realtor. Oh no, from there he became an appraiser. Then from there he became a realtor. Then from there he became an investor and a wholesaler. And now he's over here doing these large commercials. And so it's like, when you get in the game, are you willing to do what you have to, what it, what it takes? And speaking of doing whatever it takes, Jimmy has a tweet where he was talking about how like at one point in time he was sleeping on a couch, all these things sacrificing to get to where he wanted to go. Can you talk to us about that mentality? Listen, I, you know, my, my, I was recently asked, um, when I was sleeping on couches, did I ever think that that was going to be the end? And the answer is honestly, no, I always, so here, this is what people have to understand. And it's, and it's going to tie in the, the money aspect and what people would do if they had the money X, Y, and Z, right? 
Um, the first, and this is before I even had my business license or anything. My, my cousin said, I remember we were at a Christmas party and he said, 99% of the time when you have a good idea, you're not going to have the money to finance it. Will you allow that to stop you? Now, here's what that did for me. Is I, whereas most people say, well, if I had the money, you know, they get stopped because they don't have the money. I entered the world of business understanding that that's normal. Not having the money is normal. What's not normal is being is allowing that to stop you. So this is me at like 19, right? Will you allow that to stop you? And my answer to that always is always no. So even when I was sleeping on couches, you know, I, did I have a license? Yes, I really just uh, generally that I needed. No, right? But, you know, that, that the mentality that no matter what, I'm going to keep pursuing, you know, I, I looked at uh, after I read Rich Dad Poor Dad when I was 20 years old and I decided I was going to be uh, retired by 30. Um, I looked at at working for someone else as failure. Most people are afraid of, leave, leave, you know, leaving their day job. I looked at that as like if I don't leave here, that's failure. And then when you see that as failure, anything and everything that that that's, you know, legally and ethically available to get out of that position becomes, you know, you know, the things that, 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 that scare other people, you know, what if you lose money? I'm like, what if you lose your life in this? You know, that's, uh, this is a real story. I, I saw this on one of the young ladies I went to high school with, and she just posted this maybe two, three months ago. So she works with a guy who hired on Wednesday. They had a party for him on Thursday. He died on Friday. Think about that. That's a, that's a real story. And it scared me. Like, can you imagine that? giving your best years thinking that now I'm going to enjoy life and wow. you, you are, you can't, Man. there's no refund on that. And, and that, so that to me, that's whereas people are lo- uh, afraid of losing money. You can get more money. Again, they're printing it every night. You wake up, they print more money. They're, they're not doing that with your time. And so that, that, mm. that's my worst case scenario. Going back to what you were saying, you know, would I ever, or could I ever see myself back at a day job? That's a scary scenario for me needing, you know, how could I sit at a day job knowing that I've, I've been making th- thousands of dollars per day and going back to making $20 an hour or $30 an hour? That's 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 a scary uh, scenario for me. Man, what do you got for Raphael? Are we wrapping up or what else do you have, man? Yeah, we're wrapping up a little bit here. So, Jeremy, you said when I couldn't afford conferences, I volunteered to set up chairs to get in. When I couldn't buy books, I read them at Barnes and Noble. My point is, I did what I I do what I had to do to get the information. Turn the information into income. Yes, you should too. Well, well, we have this mentality, you know, that we think that um, conferences or you know, you know, people poverty mindset people that someone's trying to scam them, even though they're already being scammed at their job. Right? They think that everyone else is out to scam them. They think that the people who are in the position that they want to be in are scammers, and and it's, it's just. It's just making excuses. So for me, I understood this. If I, if you put me in a position to learn from someone who is doing what I want to do, I will get the same results. So when people ask me about my mentorship program, does the program work? No, it doesn't do any work. You have to work. The program doesn't work. You have to work, <laughs> right? But it, it's not to the point where you take responsibility for your own results that you're actually going to get results, right? If I think that, you know what I mean? That's like me going to, to, to the gym and saying, hey, does this gym work? No, it doesn't. It doesn't do any work. But if you come here and you put in the work results and you if you got to treat education the same way, I'm going to go to this conference, attend this mentorship, uh, get this coaching program, whatever it is, I have to get the information and then I am responsible for, for that income, I mean that information into income based on the actions and the sacrifices that I'm willing to make and take. So a few quick points, hopefully I don't forget them when I expand on the first one, but I found that there's a true hack in volunteering to do things. 
Um, because, so say for example, you can't afford to do something like go to a golf tournament. There's a man in Santa Monica, it was a Tiger Woods sponsored tournament and they actually have volunteers. But what I found is when you're a volunteer, you get to go on the side doors, you get VIP treatment, you're behind there where the artists are, you get in mm -hmm. early, get people out to leave, you don't have to leave. It's actually a better experience to volunteer. You get in there for free. And so I want people to realize like there's a lot of value in volunteering. There's also a lot of value in just doing whatever it takes, man. And that's one thing that I hear from Jeremy. He did whatever it takes. And then the last thing is that I feel like when you're an entrepreneur, it's your responsibility to just learn a lot because it's kind of like that you're the only resource you really have. And so like conferences and reading those courses, like I literally like since I took this week off, I kind of feel like I'm self-employed right now. I bought everybody's course. I'm like, I got to learn it all. So I got you. So I bought everybody's course. And yeah. I'm like, I'm gonna read, I'm gonna read through it all. I got to get this information now. Like there's this urgency of information now where if you don't know it, you can't capitalize on it versus when you have that job. It's just like, if you don't know it, you can still get a paycheck. You can still get your little crumbs. Like they're going to take care of you. You don't have to be all knowing on your job, but in entrepreneurship, you got to be all knowing. You got to be able to touch everything. You got to understand some accounting. You got to understand some finance. You got to understand some banking. You got to understand some legal. You got to understand some, all that stuff. Cause all that stuff impacts your business, but it only makes you better. Mm -hmm. It's not impossible. It's just the job has made you so sterile. So domesticated that you just, all you know how to do is show up and dance for the onlookers. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Going back to what you were saying, you're absolutely right about there. there's more value in being a volunteer because uh, I, I used to go to the music conferences that way, you know, helping to set up tables and chairs and stuff like that. And so I've talked to Jazz O. True story. A little, little you know, sidebar. So um, I remember, uh, <laughs> this is years ago, I was uh, standing next to DJ Cannon from the Affiliates. Did not know who he was, right? So I'm literally, like, I could high-five him. I'm that close to him. Standing right next to him, passing out programs. He's signing autographs and stuff like that. And so, you know, I, at that time, I was into business, like understanding how the music business worked, right? And so I asked one of the people that, that was getting an autograph for him, I was like, hey, who is that? You know, I'm trying to keep it low because I'm full of black people and I don't know who this person that's signing, <laughs> you know, you don't want to be that guy who doesn't know the celebrity standing next to you. <clears throat> and he's like, oh, man, that's DJ Cannon. I was like, oh, for real? And I'm thinking to myself, who's DJ Cannon? I didn't know. I didn't know. Is, it, is that the guy who says Cannon? Cannon. Cannon, yeah. Yeah, and so I, you know, I'm standing right next to him, and but oh. I wouldn't have had that opportunity. So you know, you're having these conversations backstage, as you're, as you're saying. I remember Alpha Mega was at that same conference. Uh, mm -hmm. Fast forward years later, I'm now so the affiliates were working with uh, Grand Hustle, and fast forward, I was uh, speaking on the music panel as a guest for the the marketing segment for Grand Hustle's um, music conference back in wow. I think it was 2008. Uh, so so yeah, going from volunteer to to, to speaking on the panel, what you know, started from the, the volunteering and doing what you have to take to get your, your foot in the door. Stop making excuses. No one can cash that check. Yeah, yep, absolutely. Yeah, and like we were saying, get that information. Get your tickets for the Black Man Building Wealth virtual conference on Eventbrite. Uh, Charles, are there any um, Mambo Legacy tickets left? We might have a few. They've been selling like crazy, so we might have a few. <clears throat> yeah, if you go on Eventbrite and you search for Black Man Building Wealth virtual conference, there's a an option for the Mambo Legacy tickets. Only twenty four bucks. You know you can't beat that. You got Charles. You got Jeremy Johnson. You got Ogie, uh Money Madu, Xavier Miller, <coughs> uh, Andre Hatchet. Andre Hatchet. 
There's a whole bunch of people there. You gotta and, get tickets now. And we're only dedicating, we're donating all the money. So, like, I told somebody, I like, I'll do it for free if we could, but I don't feel like people would really value it to the level that they should if we mm-hmm. did it for free. But we've already identified one charity. Um, Tim Jackson has a charity where he mentors young African-American men in Texas. And so we're going to be donating a significant amount of money to that charity um, and then also investing in people's businesses. So um, there's a few businesses that we've kind of identified that we want to give grants to from people because we always, the, the excuse is always like, oh, we don't get VC funding. We don't get this. Well, here, we created something here. You have no excuses. Now you get to go out there. And the crazy part about it is they're doing it for everybody else. So like women are doing their own groups. So for me, the goal is only to expand this and scale it. It's great that we've been able to do it. We've sold over 200 tickets. So we have the resources to really invest in people and, and give and help people. So I'm really excited about that. It's cool that you can do that. Exactly. I like that. I like that. To be honest with you, I think the $24 is too low, but I understand the objective. <laughs> uh, but really, because I mean, I, I remember being at uh, the On The Run tour. Uh, and now you got to understand now, this is me at this concert and I don't have to go to work the next day. Right. And my tickets are so far in the back. If I, I'm pretty sure the road behind me was the parking lot. Like it was, you know, <laughs> and, and I see people, you know, I see us downstairs and I know that their tickets got to cost a few hundred dollars. And I'm not sure, sh- you know, Shout out to Beyonce and Jay-Z. It was a wonderful concert, but I also understand that we value entertainment more than education. Mm. And so when it comes to a Beyonce ticket, you know, you'll, you'll spend three, four hundred dollars and, and you know what I mean? And not think twice when it comes to education. Oh, a hundred dollars for this conference. Mm, I'm not so sure. And it just kind of go points back to, to mentality. So, yeah. and they leave with nothing. They go to Beyonce and they leave with nothing <laughs> but memories. memories. You know, yeah. like I said, you know, it was a great experience, but you know, Will that if you're saying that hey my objective is to do this now th- now you're always going to have the naysayers who say you can do both you can do both and then you put them on are you doing have you been right. to <laughs> conferences concerts and then you get that then you got the not everyone can do it you know the deferring but you know that's neither here nor there yeah as soon as as soon as this is over I'm chopping up certain things and putting them on the gram because folks got to get this yeah 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 so you go ahead the pleasure always you, a pleasure we're gonna end this off with a couple of tweets from you guys. Uh, Charles said, big money plus big knowledge equals big wealth. So keep that in mind. And Jeremy, we're going to finish this off with two of your tweets. You said, moral of the story, to change your life, first change what you consider to be normal. And the other one was, um, true freedom is controlling your W's. What you do, when you do it, who you do it with, and a favorite for travelers, where you do it. So exactly. get your tickets. Make sure you follow us on Twitter, uh, Charles Todd Milley. You can follow him on Twitter at Todd Billy, T-O-D-D-B-I-L-L-I. Follow Jeremy Johnson at J Johnson Says. That's J Johnson underscore S-A-Y-S. And you can follow me, Raphael, at Work Money Life. And follow us on uh, Instagram at Tweet Talk Podcast. And anybody want to shout out Charles? We always got to shout out the friends in the show. Erica Classy Climb, Hood Estates, Charm City Buyers, Terry Gioma, Trade and Travel, uh, 24-7 Watches, 17th Watches, uh, Soul for Soul with his podcast cases, or his uh, AirPod cases. Right. And I, I think the team that's and it. Donald definitely the voice. shout out. Yep. Shout out to Invest the team and Donald the Voice. 
And also check out the options trading workshop and the upcoming vending machine uh, course that we're dropping right, soon. Right, Links right. in the bio. So it's going down. We, we're changing the world. I told somebody like the goal is to just take all this education and then bring it to the people and they do what they do with it. If we can help you get uh, a passive bag or an investment bag, something to free you from um, that nine to five, then our job has been done. So that's Indeed. what we're here for. Indeed. Any Love important it. words, Jeremy? I, I would say what, what I always say, I want to see you win beautiful people, but more importantly, I want to see you grow. All right. So for episode <laughs> 35, Raphael and Charles, Tweet Talk. Also episode Kevin Durant and, and Kobe Bryant. <laughs> <laughs> we are out. Yo, this is your boy, Donald the Boys. The, the Boys. And that's right. If you're listening, then you know a little bit of my swag, my production. I'm a voiceover artist, podcast producer, and also a little bit of a creative. And I want to offer you a special offer for this podcast listenership. That's right. Head on over to DonaldTheVoice.com. And if you need any kind of commercials, promos, or advertisements, that then I'll be sure to hook you up. With prices starting as low as $50 for a fully produced commercial, I'm willing to give you the best value that you can get anywhere. So once again, head on over to DonaldTheVoice.com. And I look forward to talking to you. And, 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 and now back to the show thank you for tuning in to another episode of tweet talk to connect with Raphael and charles on social media hit them up on instagram at work money life and at Todd billy and come get some more of these bars at at blackwell tweet talk at partner with millie and at bless a black man now if you want to send in a voice message go to anchor.fm forward slash tweet talk forward slash message and of course you can always support the podcast at anchor.fm forward slash tweet talk forward slash support until then remember don't be a little b build a business we out <laughs>